Welcome to a Nightmare in Stereo podcast. We do horror movie reviews. I am Juan with my co-host. Norma. Hey Norma, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, how are you? I'm here, I'm drinking already. Not surprised. <laughs> so for our first film review, we're going to do Hereditary, written and directed by Ari Aster, release date 2018. So this was Norma's first time watching this movie. How did you feel, Norma, when you finished watching this movie? I felt dirty. Um, like when you, when you're young and you're like scrolling in channels and suddenly you stumble on the HBO soft porns and you can't help but to keep watching but at the same time after you watch it for like five minutes you feel like you're in so much trouble oh my god that's what how was i it, felt uh, after watching this movie showtime beyond it wasn't there like a taxi cab confession something like that i don't know <laughs> yeah something like that okay but this movie has nothing to do yes. with that though so no of course not it's just that that dirty sensation of like you're gonna this is gonna get you in trouble that's how i felt like when i was younger and i was gonna get in trouble <laughs> just like oh yes. shit i shouldn't be watching this at all at all now i have to call my mom i have to say i'm sorry and that i still love her and that i will be a good girl did you though uh no i did not because i'm 30 i don't have to do that anymore <laughs> <laughs> shame on you you should have anyway eh, we'll survive <laughs> so yeah hereditary this movie is one of my personal favorites. Um, like I said, it came out in 2018, so it's relatively recent, and I felt it did horror great. Um, starting the movie uh, with full-on black screen and obituary. Very classy. The obituary reads for Ellen Taper Lee, dying at 78, the main antagonist of the movie, in my eyes. We already talked about this. Um, do you still feel the same way or no? Yes, I do. So, reading the obituary, we get a little bit of what's going to happen or what has happened so far. We see her husband died, her son died, and she's living with her, well, she was living with her uh, daughter and husband and family, right? Mm -hmm. And you can see from the start, this, this old lady, this old lady had influence over the family. Yes, and they didn't seem to get along whatsoever. You can see that there's been so, some struggles and uh, miscommunication going on between all of them. Yeah. So there's clearly some miscommunication there with the whole family. So aside from that, we go, bam, we show this kick-ass treehouse and the family getting ready for the funeral. And I, I, I love the treehouse. I really wished I had that treehouse when I was a kid. It's on top of birchwood trees. They look stunning. Yeah. We, we didn't have that as kids. That sucks for us. No, but, palm trees, <laughs> if we're lucky. <laughs> palm trees, yeah. Yeah, I don't think palm trees are too stable for a treehouse, though. No, they are not. I'm going to have to Google that. I'm pretty sure someone has done that shit, but still have to check it out. So, yeah, family's getting ready for the funeral. Uh, everyone's getting ready. We see that kick-ass treehouse, and then we go to the daughter, Annie, reading the eulogy for the grandma, talking about, you know... Very, very um awkward eulogy you can see the separation between all of them the distance and all that it was very awkward well she does say like this is a bunch of new faces i haven't seen you guys um, my mom had her secret ritual secret friends secret everything right mm -hmm. so yeah. you start seeing a little bit more about you know what the grandma meant to the family and we see charlie 
you know, seeing her dead grandma and motherfucking pedo smile guy. That <laughs> creepy ass dude looking at this underage girl while she looks and mourns for her dead grandma. Yes, and I think I mentioned that before, but I didn't notice him. I didn't remember him at the funeral until you brought it up. I remembered him at the very end. I mean, you can't say that the start didn't like make you feel uncomfortable. Oh no, yeah. Now that I I remember it, yeah, it was very uncalled for. Very. And then you know we meet Charlie. Charlie, one of the main protagonists for this movie, for at least half of it, at least. And little girl, being a little girl, just pulls out a little candy bar and starts eating chocolate bar right in front of the gra- dead grandma. Yes, and they come yeah. immediately towards her with their nut allergies. Yeah, like. Steve comes in, the dad, um, does that have nuts in it? And he comes in afterwards, the mom, does that have nuts in it? Like, okay, we get it. Nut allergy. This shit's going to be important, right? Right. And no EpiPen at hand. And no EpiPen. Oh, my God. Goddamn no. EpiPens. No. You failed as parents. Who eats chocolate at a funeral? Well, again, don't you remember our childhood? Like, every time someone died and we had to go to a funeral home, the funeral home cafeterias always have like, uh, yeah, um, yeah. like um, hot chocolate and little pastries and shit like that oh that shit was amazing yes bakery sweet oh yeah it's like your grandpa died oh shit i feel bad but what funeral some kick-ass like cornbread <laughs> like we need, we so... need more like, like that over here yes i didn't like the ones behind my high school they were bad i would get heavily disappointed whenever someone passed away and they were being watched at the funeral home by no you you needed like the people in uh, the funeral home by my house that shit was always awesome oh yes that's what that was the best place to be watched <laughs> yeah 10 out of 10 would recommend that funeral home oh yeah and then the little room for the kids <laughs> to watch cartoons oh it was oh, glorious no. no no fuck that little room fuck that little room because I remember going there once and that room scarred me when I was a kid because they had fucking child's play play. And I had a full on trauma because they were playing fucking child's play at a fucking funeral home. But, but, in their thing. defense, in their defense, you, 30 year old Juan, going back to that funeral home, wouldn't you do the same thing to other kids? Huh? Okay. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, you got a point. <laughs> Still, I, I don't think I ever told you, but yeah, I was completely ter- terrified of Chucky when I was a kid, and uh, it was because Aww. of that. First time I saw Child's Play, it's because of, yeah, they, they fucking put it on, on what? A fucking funeral home. Who the fuck puts Child's Play in a funeral home for kids to play? Future one, 30 years oh. from then. <laughs> fuck me. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I mean, home. now that I try to put myself in that situation, I don't blame you. I would probably be scared of him too. Yeah. Like, scars. Scars were left. We might probably oh, yeah. review Child's Play in the future, but <laughs> scars were definitely, like, you know, left there. Oh, yeah. So, shit. We're going at the funeral home. <laughs> we got way too sideways on that. So, funeral home, we see, uh, you know, grandma dead, families, you know, mourning, and we go back to Charlie and charlie being at the school and a fucking pigeon just crashes against the window and what does a 12 year old girl do she goes and cuts the head off because why not she goes and cuts the head off and what does she use it for her dolls kids do that didn't you do it no no Uh, i I never made 
toys out of like dead pigeons. Thank God, my mom's had money for at least a Power Ranger doll. <laughs> well, excuse <laughs> <But> no, me. <laughs> but yeah, Charlie goes and decapitates a motherfucking pigeon, and this sets the mood for the whole movie. Decapitation. Decapitation is gonna be a big role for this movie. Not gonna lie. Even though the little toys were creepy, I did want one of the replicas that they started selling at Etsy as a promotion for the movie. I don't even remember how much they were, but I try to pull up the Etsy store and, you know, it says owner Charlie, owner and shipper, the grandma. Shit, that's bad. And of course, you see the whole, I will uh, give all proceeds from my dolls to kids with food allergies. Hashtag no nuts. <laughs> Um, they do have, however, on Etsy, like from other sellers, of course, um, they are selling pins with the shape and form of the toys that she had, um, that she was building throughout the movie. You won't be able to get the toys, but if you're like into really cool pins, these might be good for your collection. Yes, they are. And the page is still out there. Of course, it doesn't sell anything. But if you go to the Etsy page for Charlie and you see like uh, store's favorites, I think it was you will see like a little pendant that says grandma, a shirt that says pigeons make me happy. I'm shitting you not, they <laughs> actually have this. And um, of course they're gonna have that motherfucking orange hoodie that she wears throughout her whole life basically. Which um, apparently is blood resistant. Yeah, like you can put a fucking pigeon there and it's gonna survive. And the funny thing is uh, Tommy Hilfiger, so if you want a, you know, blood-resistant hoodie, Tommy Hilfiger, they got you, son. Go for it. There were no drops, <laughs> nothing, nothing in that hoodie after that pigeon's head was in all. there. Nothing at all. So after this whole scene with um, Charlie and seeing how she's dealing with uh, the grief, uh, we go to Annie, the mom, and what is she doing? Grief counseling. And this is when we learn a little bit more about what's going on. And, we see uh, Annie going to the whole grief counseling and uh, her talking about her dead dad, her dead uh, mom, her dead brother, Charles. So, and that's when I kind of made my connection again, like Charles, Charlie, did the grandma have something to do with this? And the way that the son Charles died, basically her brother killed himself saying that the mom tried to put people inside of him. Right. You were like, okay, is this schizophrenia? Or did she actually try to do that shit? Right? It gets you thinking, yes. And then finally we get a little bit more action with Peter, Peter the son. The first time that they portray Peter to you, like really portray him as a character, uh, he's just a typical stoner. Um, not gonna lie, I was not happy with the way they portrayed him as a typical stoner. It was very like retro 80s movie, but not in the good way. And like, okay, this is gonna be campy as fuck. But I like that they didn't go too deep into it, right? Right. And uh, what's the stoner going to do? We're going to go to a house party. Mom comes in like, hey, is there going to be alcohol? So Norma, is there going to be alcohol? Of course not. There's never alcohol at high school parties. Never. <laughs> we we don't say that to That's parents. a different story. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different story. So what does mom do? Take your sister. Like, there's not going to be alcohol? No. Take your sister to make sure that there's not going to be any alcohol. Who Great didn't want to go to right begin there. with? She didn't want to go. Yeah, she was chilling. Yeah. Why do you have to push your daughter to go? Sometimes you need me time when you have kids. 
I feel like she had a deadline to meet and she probably was just pushing Charlie away to get rid of them and focus at work. So you're trying to like bench for her, but to me it felt more like I'm going to anchor my daughter to you, your sister, to make sure that you don't do anything bad during this party. Yeah, but I mean, and... both of us know it doesn't really work that way because didn't it happen a couple of times with us and, Mir and Miranda? Yeah. yeah, we still had fun. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I technically adopted your little brother. I'm like, okay, you you are mine now. You are family. You are my brother Welcome now. Welcome to the tribe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not something I would personally do. I, I mean, for now, of course, I only have one kid. But if in the future I had another one, I don't think I would push him into taking his sibling with them because of the age difference. There's clearly a a vast amount of age difference between Charlie and Peter. I would say maybe five, six years. I don't think I would feel comfortable letting him take his sibling to a high school party, which clearly this was a high school party. Um, Here's the thing. But you know, you, you say that now. You say that now, but like right, ten yes. years or so in the future, you might actually. I'm saying pull that, that shit. now. Yeah, and of course I'm gonna be like, is there gonna be alcohol? And they're gonna be like, of course not. And of course I'm gonna be like. Yeah, sure, take it, because I'm going to forget I said that same lie like 20 years ago. Yeah. What I'm trying to explain is that it does happen. My mom did it. I don't think it's a good thing to do, but who knows? I'll probably do it 10 years down the road. Um, my money's on, yeah, you're going to do it too. In the future. Oh, yeah. Actually. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so basically, Peter takes Charlie to the house party. And first thing that we see when we're in the house party, it's Charlie's arch nemesis. Nuts. Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, yes, candy nuts. too, but yeah, oh. nuts. Yeah, she's constantly uh, eating candy. She's constantly eating candy, but nuts. Why the fuck do they have three bags of Sam's Club nuts just chopping them like so nuts many business? nuts? Yeah, like they were chopping them like that bitch owed the money. Mm -hmm. And we, we see the cake afterwards, and it's a fairly small cake. That's more nuts than cake. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wonder if they were just cutting them down to make flour maybe it wasn't nuts it was almonds which technically it's uh, it's still nuts but maybe what we were saying earlier makes sense now if they look like walnuts because i like to put walnuts in my brownies okay so if it was brownies was this like a space brownie like you know they put fucking weed in the brownie and the it worst part about her. this is that yeah it didn't i mean she she's already kind of special to begin with but the worst part is that Peter knows that that's probably like weed brownie. And yeah. he just tells her, hey, leave me alone for a second. Look, they're giving out cake. Get cake. It's like, dude. Okay, I would do the same shit if I had a little sibling, but... Thank goodness you don't. Uh, oh, shut up. But still, come on, <laughs> take care of your of your sister. Like, make sure there's no nuts in there. He just wanted to score. Right. Because that's the whole thing. He, he does the most smoothest pickup line and just sees a girl and he's like, I got some bomb ass weed. And she's like, all right, let's go. And it so works. He ditches Charlie with the, it works. And he ditches Charlie with the cake and goes upstairs. And I'm thinking that's just gonna be him and the chick. And no, there's like five other guys there, maybe one other girl, but it's like, dude, you got cock blocks. So everyone's smoking your weed and you're not getting nothing. Hmm. Like I felt bad for him then. Poor Peter. So Charlie starts eating the cake. And <laughs> of course, you can see the nuts. You remember that whole scene earlier with the, are there nuts? No nuts. We don't have the EpiPen. Guess what they didn't have? EpiPen. Motherfucking EpiPen. 
they leave the EpiPen. Like they need to have EpiPens on like stack or something. And this movie was again released in 2018. So EpiPens were like 300 for generic, 700 for brand name. It's understandable, but you should at least keep one. Yeah. So I used to work with this lady that she would say that she was allergic to pork, and I would I mean, try to have her eat some of my food, just so I could just stab her with the epipen in her chest, like full Pulp Fiction kind of thing. That's fucked up. I know. Wait, are you? A, I didn't do it though. That you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, are I you admitting her... on a recorded call that you actually tried to? <laughs> To feed no, 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 no. Because she would say she was allergic to pork, and I knew she wasn't allergic to it. And then it was more of a religion, which I equally respect. Um, but you know, we were just goofing around, and I would always tell her, "I'm gonna sneak some pork in your lunch, just so I can stab you in the chest." Uh, Wait, you told me this? Been worth it. Well, yeah, we were joking around. You motherfucking psychopath! What the fuck is wrong <laughs> with you? In my defense. She gave me food poisoning out of ceviche, so I deserve to stab her in the chest with an epipen. So Charlie uh, goes upstairs and cock blocks him, even though he was already cock blocked by five other dudes, right? Mm -hmm. With the whole my throat is closing up, I am having an allergic reaction. Peter, what the fuck are you gonna do? Um, Peter puts her in the car and he starts driving like crazy back home. And then the incident. Ooh, the shocking scene! Boom, boom, boom. Charlie can't breathe. Starts getting asphyxiated. Um, rolls down the window, puts her head out, and lo and behold, the motherfucking cult starts dropping a deer. Well, they already dropped the deer uh, in the middle of the road, and Peter swerves to avoid the deer. And what happens to Charlie's head? Oh, I stopped the window. Gets hit by a pole and blows out the window. This is a scene that they really show the human aspect of it. Like you said earlier, like normally in movies, when you have a scene like this, the actors just like overact. They start screaming, they start crying, blah blah blah. Peter was just in shock. Yeah, he just collected all of his emotions. He, I don't. He tried avoiding looking to the back. He tried to. Oh yeah. But he just. Try to repress whatever what's going on. Collected his feelings, and he just kept on driving home. He drove home. He parked the car. He went upstairs and he lay in bed. He stayed awake the whole night until Annie comes down to use the car, and then she blows out this gut wrenching scream when she finds the body inside. Great a scream. That was a great oh, yeah. horror movie screen, and of while course. you hear the screen, you just see Peter's face of guilt. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the camera zooms into his face. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And then you think that this is over, and what do they do? They forward to basically the decapitated head in the middle of the road. The next day, you know, in the middle of a blazing sun, covered in ants. And the first time I saw this scene, I was shocked. Right. Like I was like, okay, they didn't show anything when it happened. Um, they moved away. Cool, it happened. That was pretty chill. But then seeing the head there, the effects, like ooh. I was not expecting ooh, the head to be out. I, I thought maybe it would still be somewhere dangling in the body. I was not expecting mm -hmm. the head to be completely chopped off by the pole. But it was. 
and oh but it was and you can tell it's it's charlie because it's not like a crappy prop that was made no you can clearly see the details in the face that this is charlie that head has to be out there somewhere and whoever owns it like god bless you man you have a great piece of cinematography history right there oh yeah like details on the head like perfect (laughs) al dente (laughs) okay al dente (laughs) Mm. That's a spicy meatball. <laughs> you know, Annie's of course gonna be grieving even more now because she lost her mom, she lost her daughter. She didn't just lose her daughter, her son accidentally killed her daughter. So it has to hurt even more. And she tries to go back to the whole grieving counseling thing. She doesn't go in. And that's when we meet my most hated character in this movie. Hulk. Fucking called Karen, aka Joan. Or so Joan Lydia. is introduced. I can't get over that show. I love it so much. You're 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 weird like that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're introduced to Cold Karen, and this is technically the first time that the cult interacts with the family directly ever since uh, Ellen's death. So now we're seeing like, okay, shit, something's going on because the way that she's approaching her and the way that she just tries to catch her attention. Hey. I lost my son and I lost my grandson. Little, you know, cherry on the top. Like, listen to me. I know what you're going through, right? So that shit was like, okay, they're pushing too hard, but, you know, they got her attention. She gives her her phone number and she's like, if you ever need someone to talk to, call me. Because, you know, she's going to have someone to talk to, right? Right. Clearly, she doesn't talk about it to Steve or Peter at this point. So she's just reaching out to other people to do so. And again, Steve, best boy, love him to death. I need a Steve like that. Yes. Uh, so if you are a 50-year-old white male that wants to take care of a little Latino boy financially, yeah, hit me up. You want a holler. <laughs> <laughs> so after that whole cold Karen scene, we go back to uh, Ani's workshop, uh, and she's working on a new miniature. And she's doing a miniature of the accident, so a little diorama of the whole accident what the fuck why would you do that i was thinking like why would you do that and then it hit me you know people deal differently with grieving so maybe this is her way i don't think i could first of all i'm not that talented i would be struggling with some play-doh it just seems so much so much time consuming which i guess now that i'm saying it out loud it makes sense you know because you're like focusing on creating these things instead of thinking of what happened Doing a diorama of your mom with her titty out trying to breastfeed your daughter, that's a whole different story. And it looks equally as creepy. I feel like that diorama they showed of that scene, it's creepier than the one of the accident. Why? I don't know. There's like this, it's a completely normal thing. I've heard about it. I've read about it. It's completely normal. No shame in breastfeeding. But it's just the setting. The way, the story behind it, everything in this movie makes it a lot more scarier than the accident. You know, when I saw that scene, I'm not gonna lie, the first thing that passed through my mind is, your grandma is trying to breastfeed you. Are you gonna get milk or cheese? Which one? Cheese curds. And I'm down for it. No, no, I wasn't even thinking about cheese curds. I was thinking about, you know, that canned cheese uh, with that nozzle they used to put oh like Ritz God. crackers. The ones for hot dogs? Cheese I still cheese. buy them. Yes, <laughs> yes. 
I need that cheese now. Old titty cheese. Mm, the best. You're so okay. disgusting. Um, I love it. So Thanks. Steve sees this whole thing and of course is like, what the fuck? Come down to dinner. And she's like, I'll make dinner. And Steve's like, no, 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 bitch. I made dinner now. Come on down and eat. So like, okay, Steve is starting to get a little bit, you know, anxious at his wife for everything that's going on. You know, he's trying. Oh, yeah. He's really trying, but she's not making any. And let's not forget, he looks kind of hot cooking too. Did they ever show him cooking? I think they did. Mm, that's wishful thinking. Hmm. I'm I think to they you did. You about that later on today. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a tense dinner. It's a really tense dinner. Like. How would you be able to sit down and have dinner with your daughter's killer, but your daughter's killer is also your son? Uh. And Peter is already, you know, tensed up enough and he just doesn't like how it is. And he's like, okay, what's going on? Talk to me. Let's try to talk this out. And she just bursts. She goes super saiyan on him. And she does one of my favorite insults yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite insults, and I don't know if it was in the script or if it was like improv, but word by word, it goes your fucking face on your face. You know, It must have you know, been improv. He's it feels so real. Yeah, it does. And he's just giving her a look like, what the fuck's going on? And she just can't deal with it. So your fucking face on your face. Fuck face. Yeah, it, it, it's really real. Um, it was funny to me, but I loved that addition there. Like... Every time that the first time that that happened, I'm like, wait, what the fuck? And then every time I rewatch the movie, I just love. She's gonna say it. She's gonna say it. Fucking face on your face. I'm like, yeah, third grader insults. Yeah, great That's job. Stuff. We're the journey. So Annie can't handle it anymore. She finally breaks down, gives uh, Cold Karen a call, and she goes to see Cold Karen. Right. And Cole Karen basically is all excited saying, hey, there's this whole seance thing I did to summon my grandson. And she basically shows her how to do the seance. They do a quick seance. And the seance is, it's really simple. She just fucking turn off the lights, turn on the candles and hit that 1-800-Satan. And there you go. The grandson started like reacting. And she got a little- Perfect DIY now in quarantine to do perfect diy so simple. Um, you want to talk to dead relatives turn off the lights light up a candle and there you go that's it yeah no this should be on pinterest uh, <laughs> but it was that simple and that's when the movie transitioned into the paranormal aspect in my eyes and i was extremely happy just to see movie that basically almost half of the movie already is like a serious family drama and now it's like, oh shit, now I see a little chalkboard being written by itself. Right. Like, hey, I love you, Grandma. And Annie freaks out. I mean, who, who wouldn't freak out, right? Right. Like, it's such a genuine out. way to freak out, too. Yeah. Like, no, like, what is this? <gasps> what is this? <gasps> no, she's like, no, I can't. I can't. I can't, bitch. I'm out. And right. Cole Karen's like, no, 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 no. She, I love that while she's uh, trying to talk to Annie, she basically like looks at the chalkboard and she's like, we'll be right, I'll be right back uh, to the grandson. Like, you put that bitch on hold? He's dead. He she was very respectful. <laughs> she was. She really was. She's like, okay, Annie, uh, go home, take this candle. So she gives him the she gives her the same candle. 
uh, opens the drawer, just pulls out like one of those little church pamphlets, which I'm guessing is like the incantation book. And she's like, okay, you go home and you try this out. Make sure that your whole family's there and you read this incantation to make things start. Those are her words to make things start. Yes. And things really do start. Yeah. She goes home and she grabs Peter, she grabs Steve, and stuff starts going downhill. Of course, Peter and Steve are going to freak out and think like, okay, what the fuck's going on? Is mom going crazy? She lights the candle. She's like, I already did it. She calls Charlie and bam, the little candle just blows up in flames real quick. And I love that after that scene happened, Steve did the human thing to do. What would you do? He fucking like bent down and looked under the table. Yes, let's not forget that Annie did the same thing in Karen's house. I mean, again, actual human reactions. And uh, right. we see the sounds actually working. And in one part, uh, Annie gets possessed by Charlie. Of course, everyone's freaking out. So Annie, as Charlie starts going like, why is everyone uh, scared? Like, what's going on? And what's the best way to stop someone from being possessed? Water in the face. Steve comes in with a glass of water. I don't even know where he pulled it from, but squirt, and that's squirt. it. Can you imagine how short the exorcist would be if they had that same glass of water? Oh, yeah. We wouldn't have that like, thing. Yeah, yeah, done. If we're talking about things that could have prevented a whole movie, this whole movie could have been prevented if we just had an epi pen. Right. And we didn't. It was probably, the yeah. you know, the whole cult doing that shit. So, or yeah. if Peter would have done another normal thing to do to just call 911. Nah, nah. I feel it's the EpiPen's fault. I feel like someone in that party might have had an EpiPen. They're kids. They're not going to have an EpiPen. Darn it. If they had, they probably would have sold it for weed. Now that makes more sense than not having it. <laughs> Plus, he wouldn't call 911 because, you know, that would kind of like ruin the party. Ugh, you're right. Plus the weed. Yeah, there you go. After this whole thing, um, you know, after the whole seance, we move on next day peter's in school and this is the first time that we kind of see him being taken over by paimon with the smile and the reflection which again yes. it's one of those small things but I, I really liked it they were telling us something's going on and that's when he has his spasm and starts just hitting his head against the desk apparently the actor really wanted to use a real desk but uh, of course they told him no come on don't be a drama queen they gave him like a phone yeah. thing and you can kind of see the bounce but yeah peter basically knocks himself out steve has to pick him up and go back home and this is where shit really starts hitting south <laughs> so while well, all of this thing is um evolving on the other side of the story we have peter being um beating his face on the desk we have steve going after peter we have annie at home trying to figure out what's going on with all of this incantation thing that we went that they went through um, because she starts seeing hearing things she finds things in her mom's stuff and whatnot and then she goes in the attic and she finds her mom's body headless in the attic and right behind her by the wall they have the paimon symbol so of course she freaks out she heads outside and when steve and peter come home annie's outside trying to talk to steve when he's just trying to park the car and she's like well steve this isn't that and then she realizes that 
Corey Peters in the backyard. In the backyard, she's in, he's in the back car, knocked out cold. She's like, "Oh my gosh, what happened?" And they, he's like, "Well, he's not doing well. He hit his face on the desk. Blah blah. blah. Help me with his feet." And they're just hauling Peter's ass uh, to the, his bedroom. And then Annie is like trying to keep it calm and tells him, "Mom's body. It's in the attic." And Steve, mm-hmm. uh, poor Steve, he was just so tired of it. He was like, "Bitch, there's no one in the attic." And she's like, "Yeah, please, just go upstairs. You gotta believe me. Mom's up there." And he goes up there, and you can hear him freaking out, coming down the stairs. And he's like, "You desecrated your own mother's grave. You put her in the attic. Liz doesn't that." And then Anna's like, "No, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I didn't put her upstairs. There's something going on, and I need you to burn this book." Somehow she believes that she is linked to the book, and by burning the book, you kill her, and everything goes back to normal. So she's trying to talk Steve into burning the book, and he's like, at the edge of having it. He's so tired of all of this. He just wants to go back to normal, or at least run away from this mess. She's like, if you're not gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. So she rips the notebook out of Steve's hands, and she just throws it in the fireplace, and then boom, we have grilled. Steve, yeah, he's roasted like marshmallows, ready to be eaten. He's like the burnt bits of the barbecue, delicious. But the best yeah, part, we have the debt of the nicest character in the whole movie, and mm-hmm. I really feel for him. Of course, Steve. I'm happy that it went that way. It could have been like a really weird casualty, or he could have lived until the end, or be killed by you know cultists or something. But no, and it happened so fast. It left no room to imagine what was going to happen. I was a hundred percent sure that something was going to happen to Annie, or not happen at all. I had exactly. no thoughts, or I, I didn't think that Steve would be the one affected by the fire whatsoever. It just happened. And then Annie just gets taken over. Oh yeah, Annie is completely taken over by what I believe to be. It, is it Charlie's spirit? I don't think it's her. No, I say more. Could it be Paimon says, already? It could be Paimon. It could be some sort of demon spirit kind of thing taking over her. Pazuzu, <laughs> these demon names, <laughs> I tell you. So the thing is, we have poor, lovely, amazing Steve on the floor, roasted. Um, and the next thing you know, we have Peter waking up. And as Peter is waking up, you see Annie just hovering. Well, she's not hovering. She's like holding on to the walls in the top corner of the bed of uh, the bedroom, and it is a very strange sensation when you see it because this is the kind of silhouette things that you see when you're a kid and you sleep with your closet door open. You see the silhouette of your sweaters, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, there's someone in there!" So it's it's such a familiar feeling. So you see Annie right there, crushed in the wall. And then Steve sits on his bed, and he's like moving his head to the other side. And as he's moved, oh, did I say Steve? I'm sorry. I just yeah, miss him so stop much. Thinking about Steve. Steve is dead. <sighs> Poor Steve. I mean Peter. <laughs> Peter sits up, sits on the bed, and he's like trying to look both of his ways. And then as he's looking on the other way, you can see Annie just swimming in air. She's not like. Hovering or anything, she's like literally swimming on air to the other side of the room, and he doesn't notice her whatsoever.、Uh, mm-hmm. He walks around the house trying to figure out what's going on, and then he stumbles upon Steve's body. 
Oh, this is the part where I start getting scared because freaking Annie came out of freaking nowhere running. She just took charge. She just came running towards poor Peter and he starts screaming and running. And I'm like, where the heck this lady came from? And that's the part where my heart starts sinking down. Um, The addict. Oh my God. Yes. So this is where Peter um, finds the stairs of the attic dropped down so he's like going up the stairs and locks the attic and then Annie kind of levitates towards the door and the ceiling and the roof and then she starts like knocking and pounding her head on the door and whatnot and then of course he's like leave me alone whatever and he keeps walking until he finds like this he turns into a bitch and he starts screaming mommy mommy stop oh yeah he starts saying mommy which I thought was hilarious (laughs) Because yes. he sounds like a little kid. He, he, he legit does. sounds like a little kid. He's like and terrified then, to the point that he reverted back to a child. Right. And it happens. It completely happens. And I think when the knocking and thudding and all that stuff ends, it's when he um, starts walking around the attic and that's when he notices the Paimon symbol and the silhouette of the body on the floor. I think there was a picture in there without eyes. I'm not sure. Yeah, and, there was. Yes. And then when he turns around, it's the guy from the funeral home on the other side of the attic. And this guy had no genitals, no genitals whatsoever, which I thought was awkward. It it made me feel better for him because I'm like, okay, you're not a pedophile because you really can't do anything. Right. It threw me off. It threw me off completely. So So you don't need genitals to be a horror movie. Well, I need it for comfort. It felt weird not seeing Okay, get your genitals right. for comfort then. Yeah, so next thing you know, he looks at the other side of the attic and there is Annie levitating and she's like sawing her head off with a piano cord. And it's like... <laughs> and then Peter... Out the is window. that right? Did I say it right? Yeah. <laughs> Peter, Peter jumps, jumps out the window. Out the windows. And he falls face first on the ground. He's knocked out and then he wakes up and he sees Annie's headless body levitating to the treehouse. No, He's don't like, forget what about the, the, the head dropping. Like, oh, yes. As Peter he is knocked floor. out cold, right? As he is knocked out cold on the floor, you can hear Annie's head dropping. It's like boom, boom, boom. You can hear the bounce until it settles. Yeah. So he wakes up, he goes after, he goes after the body, and he's in complete shock. He goes into the cabin, which had heaters inside, making it extra scary the because treehouse. the lighting of the heater, yeah, the lighting of the heaters were red, so it makes it look extra scary in the middle of the night. Um, he goes inside, and there's all of these adults in there without genitals, just standing there praying and doing their stuff, and then show me your genitals, your genitals, show me your genitals, genitalia. so uh yeah the treehouse is basically filled with all the genitalless occultists another thing is that after peter fell you can see a light kind of flicker and go kind of into him and he stands up and he's really calm so you kind of think like okay this is it peter was the weakest link he's finally possessed and he goes to the treehouse he sees everything they have uh, this mannequin with Charlie's head on top and a crown. And mm-hmm. you see the mom and the grandmas 
headless corpses basically bowing down to the Charlie mannequin, right? And yes. one of the cultists takes this paper mache crown from Charlie's head and puts it on Peter, and they all just start to chant. And we have Paimon finally getting the male body that he wanted. The cultists are happy because now Paimon's going to give them all the riches that they wanted. So all hail Paimon. And the hail end. Paimon. So, How did you feel after overall, watching this movie? Fantastic. I felt really happy. I know it's going to sound fucked up to say after everything that we talked about so far, but I was really happy to see movies that, like this coming back to the cinema. Uh, movies that you can say, oh, I watched Hereditary. You should watch it too. Even if it's someone that really doesn't like horror, they can appreciate it for a drama or for the cinematography or just for that soundtrack, like that really ominous soundtrack that they have. Yes, it and was, it just reels you in. Yes. Uh, like you said earlier, um, one third of the movie is horror, that last part, but the other two thirds is just a family drama about grief, about uh, regret, about guilt, about all these dark themes, and it's just done wonderfully. And I remember after watching this movie, I was like, Ari Aster, he seems like a new director. I'm going to keep my eye on him because if he already made this movie this good, I want to see his next work. And spoiler, Midsummer, fucking amazing too. So great job. That was Ari. a good movie. Keep it up. Yeah. yeah, we love it. So, give us yeah, something new. So, <laughs> give us that four hour horror comedy that they say that you're going to make because I'll watch it. Four hour? I'm, I'm out. I'm out. No, no, no. no I'm, I'm gonna watch that shit. I'll be like, put that fucking face on your face and let's watch it. <laughs> so overall, I might what watch would it you in four score this movie? I would score it an eight. Um, like you said it yourself. I I don't see this as a full blown horror movie. I would say it's more like a psych um, psychological thriller for like an hour and a half and then the last 30 minutes you can fully blown see and feel because you just feel like you're part of it the horror yes. aspect of the movie it was it, it just because it was psychological thriller at the very first it doesn't mean it's a very slow and boring beginning and build up it is the kind of build up that keeps you in it it is I think I mentioned that before both Aerie movies that I've seen, I think these are the only two, I'm not sure. They're based on grief. Grief is such a feeling that no one likes to talk about, but everyone goes through it. And it's such an easy thing to just bond immediately with on a movie. Because, you know, you've been through it. How do they deal with it? Let me see. So you just keep watching it and watching it and watching it. And everything starts to develop to a point that you're like, oh my gosh, this happened to so-and-so. I remember when it happened to this and this and that. It's such an easy movie to familiarize with. And all of a sudden, there's heads being chopped off. There's people being killed and all this stuff. It, 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 evol it evolves to a point so quick that you can't see it coming at all. Overall, great movie. I'm with you. I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Can't wait for the next Ari Aster movie. So keep up the great work, dude. Yeah, we love you. So, um, Give us Pazuzu. <laughs> give us Pazuzu next. The retarded uh, demon lord. Yeah. And genitals. <laughs> no, no, no genitals. Keep the genitals. Um, <laughs> if you want genitals, watch his uh, short film called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Yeah, you're going to get oh. genitals there. But... Thanks that's it for today's episode thank you so much for listening 
Uh, we'll see you guys soon. Norma, you want to say goodbye? Yeah, goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Have a good one. Hail Paymon. See you, Pazuzu. Bye. Deuces, Pazuzu.